Email reignite at rte.ie. Welcome back to Reignite. I'm Monia Kerr. Keep your text messages coming on 51551. Email to reignite at rte.ie or tweet at reignite rte. Annie Murphy or Anna Murphy rather texts us to say morning. Sitting here listening to that fantastic lady. Well done. You are a breath of fresh air and I'm sure that's aimed at Gwen and Anna. Now we all know about the elephant in the room that the issue no one wants to talk about and you may have heard of the black swan the unforeseen catastrophe. Well how about the grey rhino? It's a phrase coined by Michelle Worker. It's the problem that can be obvious. We're aware of it, but we don't want to confront it. We're hoping it's not going to happen. Joining me now is Michelle Worker, author of The Grey Rhino. Michelle, tell me about that concept of the black swan and how sometimes maybe people confuse it with your grey rhino idea. The black swan became big around the time of the the great financial crisis in 2008. The book came out in 2007. And a black swan is something that's improbable, that's beyond your ability to predict or foresee or even imagine. It was meant as a way to get people to understand that we live in a much more uncertain world than we think and to think about the importance of resilience. And instead, people badly misused it. They used it as as a cop out. You know, all the portfolio managers who lost their clients' money in 2008, all the policymakers who didn't pay attention to the subprime mortgage crisis, said, "Oops, nobody could have seen it coming." So a lot of people tried to predict the next black swan, even though by definition you can't predict it. Shortly after that, uh, I was working on the the Greek debt crisis. And looking at how Greece was facing a, a dilemma similar to what I'd seen in Argentina, debt going up, you know, reserves going down, economy going down, it was pretty easy to see the math. And I released an early warning in 2011 saying that Greece needed to restructure their debt. About a year later, they actually did. And so I look back to Argentina when I issued a similar warning and Argentina didn't and it collapsed and it was chaos. And so my question was really what makes the difference between why some decision makers see a big thing coming at them and decide to do something and not. So that's where the rhino came from, the big gray two-ton beast coming at you and giving you a choice as to what to do. And a lot of people had really been looking for an opportunity to talk about the things that were coming. So the concept of the gray rhino became really big in the COVID-19 pandemic when all these policymakers and politicians were saying, oh, no, we could have seen it coming. And I said, wait a minute, there was a scenario exercise in 2019 Stop calling this a black swan. It's a gray rhino. People knew it was coming. Some people tried to get policymakers to respond and they didn't get the response that they needed. Was our reaction also to that where we were watching Wuhan, we were watching events in Italy and still, well, it's never coming to our part of the world. Was that the gray rhino in effect as well? Was that we were in this classic first phase of just denial? Absolutely. There there were really two phases, as as you pointed out. There is this future possibility of a pandemic that Bill Gates and the World Health Organization said, we're not ready for, we need to do something. And some people tried. And then once it was right on top of us, people responded in very different ways. Policymakers, individuals, businesses 
Some of them put the masks on right away. Some of them started quarantining and doing stay-at-home orders, and others were much more lax about it. And so you've got this double gray rhino. They're preparing for the, the ones that are on the horizon and the ones that are right on top of you. Are you going to deal with it or not? And what I'm really interested in is why some people respond to the big scary thing in front of them and other ones don't and they stick their head in the sand. And I suppose coming out of a pandemic, if we're all to confront and face up to the grey rhino, what are the, the five things you believe we have to be more aware of? Well, right now at the top of mind is this whole geopolitical mess, the sort of return of great power politics, the tensions between the US and Russia, the tensions between US and China. Those are the kind of things I call meta gray rhinos, the sort of structural problems that you've got to resolve before you can fix anything else. And very closely tied to those is the United States meta gray rhino, that, that we are a failing democracy. We've had a lot of trouble addressing problems. In fact, we've got a large part of the country who really respond to politicians who say, don't respond to the pandemic, don't pay attention, we don't have problems. So those are the two immediate ones. And then those tie in with three big gray rhinos that have been top of mind for quite some time. Climate change, obviously, the, the more and more extreme weather, this heat wave that we've had. The second one is financial fragilities, you know, these huge asset bubbles. And the third one is inequality. Some of the billionaires in the world see their assets increase by, you know, three quarters over the pandemic. You know, they're, they're further down now, but, but that pandemic really increased inequality and that leads to social problems which in turn leads to political problems so we're at a very very scary time in the world right now and what about in our personal lives because the gray rhino concept it's very clear the recession climate change as you say even in our own companies maybe succession planning thinking about cyber security what about just personally does it manifest itself in personal ways as well where we just get stuck in denial we're muddling we're failing to diagnose we sometimes pa- panic but we don't convert into action we just maybe stay stuck sometimes Yes, well, I I love that you've identified the five stages of a gray rhino because we respond differently at each stage or different obstacles and different opportunities. And also these personal applications, I was so surprised because my background is in policy and finance and business. And I wrote the book initially for, for CEOs and policy decision makers. And I went around the world and people kept saying, how do I apply this to my personal life? And and that led to more recent work where I realized that each person has lots of parts of our personality that affects how we respond to the gray rhinos in front of us. I call this our, our risk fingerprint. And then finally, the environment you create, that's really closely related to some of the things that I talk to businesses about. How do you surround yourself with the right people who can give you the advice to make you confident to make good decisions about your health, about your finances, about your relationships? You know, do you have the chatty best friend who says, you know, don't wear that red dress or, you know, dump that significant other? And uh, it was a real risk for me personally, because it was going into issues that weren't what I normally talked about, but that have certainly been things that I've lived through, that my friends have lived through, and that a lot of my readers asked for. And have you found 
in the patterns, Michelle, then that it's maybe people who are comfortable with risk taking. Maybe they're very good at conflict resolution, confronting people, being very transparent, uh, good communicators. Is there a personality type that are good at eyeing the the grey rhino and taking it on and not ignoring all of the signals in the world around you? I look a lot at the combination of personality types. One example is traders, where you have this team of traders where one was very impulsive, just you kind of went by muscle memory, and the other one was much more thoughtful, said, hey, let's take a breath, let's analyze this, let's get some data. And together, they were their firm's most powerful, high-performance team. And I get asked all the time, is there a an ideal personality for risk-taking? And there really isn't, but there is a better match. You know, your personality matches the profession that you choose. So you'll see, for example, air traffic controllers have very, very similar risk fingerprints and risk personalities. And what people need to be aware of really is how do you optimize your choices for your innate risk personality? How do you choose a job? Are you more comfortable in a startup or in a big legacy company, you know, quote unquote, working for the man? It's really about self-awareness. So the, the really the best trait that you can apply to good risk taking and to spotting those gray rhinos is self-awareness about your own risk taking, what risks you're willing to accept. Once you're aware of who you are, then you've got a better strategy for dealing with all those things in front of you, whether, you know, stopping eating those cheeseburgers because your doctor told you to, or starting a savings fund, paying off those credit cards, all of those risks that you take without really thinking about them. Do you think people, societies, companies, teams who do step up, do you think ultimately they're equipped them with knowledge and knowledge is power and from there you have have the power of information. Absolutely. Well, information, interestingly, affects the way that we see risk. And companies that are self-aware also have a powerful tool in that risks are both opportunities and dangers. And a company that recognizes a threat, you know, at companies that see a big geopolitical trend coming and, you know, hedge against it or create products that will help to solve the problem. The companies that see the gray rhino coming at them are the ones that are going to survive. They're going to have a competitive advantage over the companies that don't want to pay attention to it and they get trampled. You've written, Michelle, that once we all recognise that shared vulnerability that gives us the power to open our eyes and to act before we get trampled on, where could people even start this morning listening to you in terms of having just that moment of honesty, that moment of being a little bit futuristic, stepping up, looking at the grey rhino, choosing the the fight and not the flight or the freeze mode. It's so important to really look at yourself and and you are what you risk. The grey rhino sequel really delves into that. It helps you with your own self-awareness. There's a concept called risk empathy, that once you understand why you're making the risk choices that you are and optimizing your situation, you can do it for other people, for your relationships, for your teammates, for your jobs. Very good. Michelle Worker, author of The Grey Rhino and You Are What You Risk. Thank you so much for joining us on Reignite. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.